Well, if you're visiting with us tonight, I'm Pastor Stan. This is my lovely wife, Kathy, on the third row over here. We're glad to be here. And we're from the Brownwood location, and we're just happy to be here, excited to be here in Pastor Mark and Lisa's house. And man, I tell you what, we love these guys. You don't realize, well, maybe you do, they are few and far between like this couple right here. Man. The anointing on their lives and every time that they speak, he or Lisa, either one, it's just so refreshing for me. I just love it and I get so much out of it and I'm, I'm just so excited for you guys having them here as your pastors. What a blessing that you are. Well, we're, we, Kathy and I, um, we have been in Brownwood almost 15 years. We actually, yeah, it's been a while and you know, when we went, I had a lot more hair and my, I didn't have any gray in my mustache. It's the water in Brownwood. I don't know what's happening down there, you know. But it's the heart of Texas, and it's a great place to be. We're so blessed to be here. But we actually came from here in Sherman. And we were here when everything started up. Pastor Terry, you know, we were, came on staff about the same time. And uh, Pastor Terry showed me the ropes. And, and we were here at the same time. And I was working a secular job. And so they talked to me about coming on and, and coming on staff. Coming on staff. When are you going to come on? Come on. When are you going to come on staff? Okay. All right. All right. So I prayed about it and I did. And then they sent me off to Brownwood. And, and Tim McIntyre, he says they had to hire you to run you off, you know. So, and, uh, but we have been there since 2005. Pastor Dwayne, um, I love my pastor. Uh, he is just such a blessing to my whole family. My parents have been in his church since he spoke in the Methodist church. And pastored there, and, and so we've known him for years. I knew him. He didn't know me, but I knew him, and he's been a blessing in our lives all these many years. Well, I'm here to share some things with you we, that, that are on my heart, and I've got about 14 pages of notes. Pastor Mark said I had only an hour and a half, and I had to get her done, so uh, I don't want to get long-winded, and I'll try not to do that, but you know, when we were going to Brownwood, when in serious, you know, when Pastor Dwayne asked us to pray about going to Brownwood, well, we did. We prayed, and uh, we got a piece about going, and they, they needed a lot of help in Brownwood, and at the time, their pastor had been sick for over a year, wonderful guy, and, uh, but he, you know, they needed some help, and they had a Christian school that was about to close the doors, and so Kathy was the real jewel there, and took the school, and, and up until a couple of years ago, she was the superintendent of the school, and we had great success in that. 92% of the kids that graduated there went on to higher education. And we were able to impact a lot of lives and, and, and make a difference and, and be an impact. And I know that Pastor Mark, he's going through this series about being a church of influence. And, you know, at that time, early on, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, you're walking in my favor. And I began to see his hand working in our lives and working on Dwayne Sheriff Ministries and, you know, all that Pastor Dwayne had sowed into that. And then we were a part of that. And we began to see how we were an influence in the community and would be. And God has proven out to be that. I mean, just recently, we, we coupled with the Brown County Republican Women's Group and we, we hosted um, a political forum right there in the church. And it was a packed house. It, it, we did it in 2016 in the presidential race as well. But we wanted to get involved. And you had uh, Andrew Womack standing here saying that in the 2016, uh, I believe, election it was, that there were 25 million, I believe this is what he said, 25 million born-again evangelical Christians who did not vote. 
And we've decided we're not going to be one of those. And so, amen, I can see that y'all aren't either. But man, we need to realize we need to be an influence in every area, every aspect of our lives. And that's in the political realm. If we, we need to be an influence in our country, if it's not, it's going to fall at our feet. And man, we've got a lot of work to do then, right? And so we need to be encouraging all of our friends and neighbors, family, to get involved, to be a part. And so, you know, we, when we went to Brownwood, we agreed with Pastor Dwayne that, uh, Stan, give me one year. So we committed to one year. And it's been 15 years this coming July. It's like, whoa, you know, that was, that's been a long year. You know, I've been away from Sherman for a long year. But man, God has done so many things and touched so many lives and, and, and mostly our life. And when we went there, you know, we, we had a lot of persecution. A lot of people in the community said, oh, that church is just like Walmart, just gobbling up all the little small churches in town. It's like, whoa, you know, we just came here to do a job, you know. And, and I had to realize, you know, I just, need to, I just need to do what God called me to do. You know, I guess all those guys were afraid of losing their cruise-o-matics, you know, just cruising around. All they had to do is wait a little bit. They'd make it back around to them, too. They're still uh, there. Y'all know what a cruise-o-matic is. You know, it's a charismatic to just cruise here and cruise there. They just bounce around, you know. Well, we don't want to do that. We want to be an influence, and we've got to be committed, right? And so cruise-o-matics did not pass away with the apostles. They're still there. But don't y'all be a cruise-o-matic. You settle in. You lock in what God wants you to do. Be a part of this great church and let God move. Amen. So, you know, I just had to realize what I got to do is just, I've just got to keep my heart right. You know, when I'm faced with adversity and challenges in the midst of all adversities and things that come on, I've just got to keep my heart right. Do what God called me to do. Do what God wants me to do. And, and we pastors, we want to make a difference. We, we want to be influential. And we as a church, we, we want to make a difference, don't we? And we want to be influential. But sometimes being influential does come with great adversity, great challenge. And I'm going to try to not read the scriptures a lot tonight because I, I really don't want to overdo my time here. But if you'll go and read in the scripture in Acts, the eighth chapter, you'll, you'll find there where, where Saul, Saul was Paul. Well, Paul was Saul. Get that backwards. But Saul was, man, he was bringing havoc on the church. Man, this guy was ripping the church apart in Jerusalem. I mean, he's going in house to house and doing searches and dragging people out to prison. And he was causing great havoc in the church, it says in the eighth chapter. And man, he, and it was so amazing. There must have been a great warfare going in Jerusalem because there were, there were even priests there. Some of the priests had received Christ and decided to live for Christ and believe that he was the Messiah. And then you had all the apostles there, but you had at the same time Saul was going out and, and dragging people and putting them into prison. I mean, he had a good thing going on in Jerusalem. So much so that when you read the next chapter, he got a little bit of permission. He said, I'm going to go over to Damascus and I'm going to drag people from Damascus back over to Jerusalem, man. You guys are working with me and we are able to rip this way apart. We're going we're gonna to destroy this influence on, on the church world, you know, or their church world. And that's when God got a hold of him and Jesus jerked a slack out of him. Oh, yeah. But so there was great havoc and it said that people were scattered throughout so many regions but then Philip went down to Samaria. You know, these guys, they didn't back down, back out, back away. Man, they just shared the gospel. I mean, they went forward. And, and when you look there in Samaria, 
Philip went down to Samaria and began to preach the gospel. He was an evangelist. And there was great things that began to happen. People were being delivered. People were being set free. They, uh, demons were being cast out. And if you read there, it says that there was great joy in the city. Not just a little joy, great joy. I mean, you know what the difference is between joy and great joy? A whole lot of shouting. And I'd show the example, but I might you know, embarrass myself. But great joy in the city. He was influencing people for Jesus Christ. And so when you go ahead and you read down into the, the next chapter, or further down in that very chapter there, when the, the apostles at Jerusalem had heard that Philip, that the people in Samaria had received the word of God, they got saved. They received the word of God, and then they sent down Peter and John to minister to them because as of yet, none of them had been filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, again, if I had the time, we'd go through and I'd walk through these scriptures. And, I, and the guy that's doing the words tonight, I'm, you know, I'm messing him up with all the scriptures. because I had all that listed out. But listen, he, they sent down Peter and John to pray for them because as of yet, they hadn't received the Holy Ghost. They'd gotten saved. They received Jesus. They were being baptized because of their faith in Jesus. But they had something more that they needed. They needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. See... The apostles at Jerusalem, they wanted them to have the whole package. The whole package. Because why? They wanted them to bear fruit. They wanted them to get just what they had got on the day of Pentecost. To get the Holy Ghost. They wanted them to get filled with the Holy Ghost, man. So that they could bear fruit and be a witness throughout the world. Because when the Holy Ghost comes into your life, it empowers you. It changes your life. I got saved at 13. In a little, a little town out in West Texas that you've never heard of in Grand Falls, Texas. And I stumbled into a little church down the street and, and that night had an encounter with Jesus and got saved. But I didn't grow in the Lord. I just went on about life and didn't go to church, but just occasionally visiting a church with our Boy Scouts. And, but at the age of 21, March 23rd, 1976, in Pecos, Texas, man, the Lord got a hold of my life. Him and my wife, Kathy, so... She'd been praying for me. But that night, I, something different happened in my life. The Lord offered me something so much more. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I got filled with the Holy Spirit just like the Gentiles in Acts of 10 chapter in the, in the house of Cornelius. I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And you know what? It radically changed who I was. And from that moment on, I wanted to follow Jesus. And I have all these years. I, I, I laid down the person that it was. I'm not the same person. So I can, I can relate to these guys when the uh, apostles in Jerusalem sent down Peter and John. They were gifted in another area. Philip was an evangelist. Get people saved. Right and left, man, casting out devils. He had gifts moving in his ministry. But they needed something more. More, greater, to be a great influence, to empower them. And it was the Holy Spirit. And so... You know, they, 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 they didn't want them just to have changed lives. They wanted to them to bear fruit in ministry. Now listen, uh, you can't be an influence unless you're being influenced. And that's, you know, I've heard, you know, when you go to, I love reading quotes from famous people. And, and when you go listen to the smart people, they say, if you're going to be in an influence, you have to be influenced. You need something on the inside. 
That's what I received March 23rd, 1976. I, I received the infilling and empowerment of the Holy Spirit in my life that radically changed me and made me who I am today. So, you know, if we're going to be a, a church of influence, we need something on the inside of us. Now, you remember the story of Jesus where he was about to leave and he told his, his disciples, he's telling them, I'm about to leave here. I'm going to die. I'm going to leave. And they didn't like that. What are you talking about leaving? Man, you're talking about leaving. We got a going thing in here, you know. If we get in, uh, covered with, uh, surrounded by enemies, you can take a sack lunch and feed us all. You can walk on water. You can heal. If we get injured, you can heal. There's just a, he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. He said, it's to your advantage. It's expedient for you that I go. And they're saying, what are you talking about? Because see what he's saying. It's better off for you for me to be up with a father than what you're going to experience after I'm gone. What I see in you is better than me being here. And you say, what is that? Because he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. Now, are you, you know, you may be sitting here tonight saying, man, I'm telling you what, I need something more. I need something more in my life. And that's, he said, it's to your advantage. And the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost came, y'all read the story. Now, see, I've got 14 pages I've got to get through. I can't stay that hour and a half. So I'm, I'm skipping through a lot. But on that day when the Holy Spirit came, and there was so much that went on, uh, the Holy Spirit filling those guys, and they spoke with languages that other, there were devout Jews that had come in, thousands of them came in, Thousands of them came that day for the, the celebration of the, the day of Pentecost. And they saw these guys speaking in other tongues. And, of course, they thought, there's something going on here. And Peter got up and began to explain what happened that day. They're not drunk, as you suppose. And he began to say, no, this is what happened. This is what was prophesied from, the, from Joel the prophet. And he began to explain how God gave the Holy Spirit to Jesus. And Jesus shed the Holy Spirit out in their heart. He empowered them for more. And it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. Now, even the world sees that if we're going to be an influence, we need something more. Socrates said this, let him that would move the world first move himself. You know, throughout generations, man has wanted to be influential. Man has wanted to make a difference. There's another guy, his name is Stephen Covey. He's he was an American educator, author, and a businessman. He, he wrote the seven habits of highly effective people. He said, in order to have influence, you have to be influenced. Let me give you the definition of influence. You guys, are y'all with me back there now? Have y'all cut up to me? Influence, it's the capacity of persons to be a compelling force on the actions of others. So it's a capacity of influence that compels people to action. And we want to be an influence. See, God wants to, what God wants to do is he wants to reach and he wants to influence your families, your homes, your communities, and your church. God wants to do that. But one thing that we may not realize is that you and I, we are at the center of God's influence in our homes, in our families, in our communities, and in our churches. This is what I was telling the people at that, that rally. I mean, you Christians, that room was packed out. 
And we, uh, you know, we as Christians, we've been praying. I hope that you've been praying. God heal our land. Our land is, it's got a mess going on right now. The challenges are sometimes overwhelming. I mean, God heal our land. But what people don't realize is that God wants to use you in the process of healing our land. You can't, you can't sit back and say, God heal our land and you won't listen to his voice and make wise decisions and get involved in the process. There's another plug for getting out and voting. Okay. Don't waste your vote. But listen. God wants us to be an influence in our homes and our families, and you're the center of doing that. So if you want to be an influence, you've got to be influenced. The Holy Spirit, listen, the Holy Spirit, this Holy Spirit we're talking about, if you're a child of God tonight, you have heard his voice. You have heard his voice at some point. Because no one comes to the Father lest they're drawn to the Holy Spirit, right? So this Holy Spirit is the one that God's using to draw you and I into the kingdom, into his presence, into what God wants to do with our lives. This Holy Spirit is who influenced us to come to God. And we have to allow, see the Holy Spirit's connected with everything that he's doing in the kingdom today. So if you and I want to be an influence, we've got to tune our ear to the Holy Spirit, the very person that drew us in. We don't spend enough time pressing into the Holy Ghost, listening to his voice. I mean, all those times in my past where God was drawing me back to him, and I would say, God was talking to me. I realize now it was the Holy Spirit talking to me, relaying God's voice to me. All those times you hear God talking to you from inside, you child of God, that's the Holy Spirit speaking from the inside. He's conveying what God's showing him. Man, we need to commune with the Holy Spirit. If you need a compelling force on the inside of you to be an influence, to influence action in other people. Holy Spirit's leading, controlling us to what what God wants to do. So, you know, I believe that this Holy Spirit is bringing us into this constant and consistent change that's happening all around us. And there's this challenge to, to be progressive with God. Because, you know, God is a progressive God. God's progressing. You may be dragging your feet, but God's moving on. And listen, the Lord spoke to me when we went to Brownwood. Hey, well, I could tell you stories all day long. Kathy, she's, she gets to doing this because I'm a storyteller. I'll sit here all night and tell you stories. But listen, as things begin to blossom and take off in Brownwood, I got all this free counseling. Oh, my word, what a perk. (laughs) People go, hey, pastor, this is what we need to do. Hey, you need to do this. This is what we used to do 20 years ago. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, if you look for me how you saw me in the past, you could miss me. Because God is moving forward. God is moving and that's been a, some of the things that I, you know, have challenged people to come higher with God. Some of the people that, I mean, we're multi-locational church. I mean, we've got 12 locations. We've got the location in Brownwood Center of Texas. And our pastor speaks to us every Sunday morning. Pastor Jacob, Pastor Mark, others that are speaking from here are ministering to us there. And, you know, some folks are having a problem with that. Because they're getting stuck in the mud, man. They want to hang on to the old things, the old ways, and not move with God. 
Now, if you're stuck in the mud like that, man, you need to turn loose, shake that off and move with God. Because why would we limit God to what we saw in the past? Great things. I'm not saying it wasn't great things. You, whatever your past is here, wherever you came from, man, you had some great experiences, great church life. God did some wonderful things. But be looking for more. Why would you limit God to what you saw in the past? He wants to do so much, so much more. He's got great things in store for us. Now listen, I, I, I believe this, and, and it's just a thought process. The future can influence our pre- present just as much as our past. The future, when we see, when we have eyes to see what's ahead of us, it can influence our present as much as our past. And that's where we saw Peter. You know, when you go read the book of Peter, Peter knew there was a time I'm about to go, man. The Lord showed me I'm about to leave this place. He says, so I am bearing down. This is Stanism, okay? I'm bearing down. I'm getting down. He said, listen, I, I know that you know the truth and you're established in the truth, but I'm here to remind you and to stir you up. And folks, that's the way people are in our church world today. There's people probably sitting in here tonight, sitting in here right now. You know the truth. You're established in the truth. But man, you need some stirring up. How many of you know it's one thing to know it, it's another thing to do it and to keep moving forward. We want to be influential. We want to make a difference. And you know, if you you have vision for tomorrow, it will change your day today. You'll act differently. You'll react differently. Well, pastor, how do I have vision for tomorrow? I'm glad you asked. That's where I'm going. Let's go to... (laughs) Let's go to Mark, the fifth chapter, give you some examples, and we'll keep moving forward. This is the story of the woman with the issue of blood. And you're probably familiar with the story, and it's in Mark 5, 25, a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. She'd suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. Now look at verse 27. When she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind him behind and touched his garment verse 28 for she said if i may touch his but his clothes i shall be whole now listen you know the story straightway her plague was healed up her issue of blood her fountain of blood was dried up she felt in her body she was healed of that plague and jesus in verse 30 says immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him He turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? We could could stop right there. It's just just amazing. Power, virtue flowed out of him through the very fabric of the clothing he was wearing and went into her and brought healing to her. And Jesus knew that. Oh, my word, that's exciting to me. That just turns my crank, man, gets my motor started. And he knew somebody touched the fabric. Well, see, people are doing this all around him, trying to get healing, trying to get something from him. But he knew that little touch right there, that little touch, virtue flowed through that encounter and brought healing to somebody. And so he looked around, verse 32, he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter... Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. 
I submit to you tonight, I believe that this woman saw herself healed of that plague. I believe she saw herself healed because she said, listen, she said in her heart, if I could but touch his clothes, I'll be healed. She saw that result, so she acted on her faith. She could see the potential and the possibility in her mind's eye of being healed so much so she came in the press behind him and caught up to him and touched his garment and she was healed. You know, there's nothing in our life that you and I do that we don't see it first. You got to think about that. There's not a thing that we do that we don't see it first. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And we see it first. Look at Ephesians 3.20. Let me show you something here. Now unto him that is able, talking about God. How many of you believe God is able? He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. God is able to do abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Ask or think. Now this word think here, a better translation, we find it in the, the nearly inspired version, the NIV, which I love. And, and it's really a, a more literal translation of the word think there. Listen to what it says. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, or imagine according to his power that is as at work within us. Everything that we do has to do with our imagination. We use our imagination every day. You function by your imagination. If you ask me directions to my house, I'm envisioning that in my mind as I'm trying to tell you how to get to my house. I'm seeing myself drive down these roads and looking at that, there's the street sign, that's what it is. And I'm using these pictures in my mind, my imagination, even to show you how to get to my house. My imagination or my imagery of the mind... I believe that that is where the problem is of why we don't soar as eagles. Come on. Because I think that so many times we see ourselves as turkeys, not eagles. I got to thinking about turkeys. I thought, okay, have you ever seen a turkey fly? It's like turkeys, when they tuck off, they don't want to lose sight of the ground. I don't know if they could fly higher. They might could. I don't know. But it seems like they never lose sight of the ground. And, but eagles, when they take to the sky, they're looking to the sky. And they're going higher. And once they get up there, then they look at the lay of the land. You see, I believe that we have two images on the inside of us. What we're capable of doing and what we're incapable of doing. What we are capable of doing in our own strength and what we can do with God's strength. And see, the second one, the image in your mind of what God can do in your life and what we can do with God in our life is where we struggle with not mounting up with wings as eagles. Where our imagination comes into play because that image is the ceiling or the limit of our faith in God. You're just going to go this high. You can't see yourself going beyond this. You never look to the sky. You never look to God's ability to do what you need to do. You never look to God's ability to feed your imagination to go higher in Him. See, by faith, Abraham saw that God was well able and faithful to fulfill his promises. He looked at his situation. Situation didn't look good. He's an old man. His wife is an old lady. 
Stuff had stopped working. But he didn't let that affect his faith in God. And it's imagine, can you imagine his imagination? Looking in the mirror and said, man, I can't imagine it. But through God, I can imagine all things. Okay, come on. But he was able that, to believe God, that God was able to fulfill his promises. So here's the thing. What is it that you see today? What, what is it that you see today? When you come in here and you join with us in this church, do you see our church impacting this community like no, no other? Do you, do you imagine in your mind living a successful marriage, happy marriage? Do you see in your mind's eye being healed and overcoming? You know, this, this is not mind over matter. This is believing and seeing and acting on your faith to experience the Word of God. Let me give you a couple of definitions. Imagination. Imagination, the definition of imagination is forming mental images or concepts of what is not actually present to the senses. You're seeing something that you're not actually feeling, smelling, touching. Now listen, here's another word that I I found in the dictionary. It's got an adjective connected to it. And it says this, it's, it's a creative imagination. Now follow me on this. It's recombining former experiences or knowledge in the creation of new images directed at a specific goal or aiding in the solution of problems. Things that happened before. Recombining these former experiences or knowledge or encounters and applying them to something new. Kids do this all the time when they're playing. Man, they're playing in discovery. Man, they're just, you can just pulling things together and have such a vivid imagination. We as adults, many times, we do that in solutions to goals. But see, I, I want you to, to think back and look back at maybe what's, what God has done in your life at one point or another. And you need to be creative in your imagination of what you're facing now. Our, our oldest son, when he was just a little bitty guy, he was one of those boys that he was everywhere. He was a crawler, a climber. A, I mean, boy, you had to be on your toes with him, man. And, you know, Kathy was kitchen, cooking in the kitchen one day and, and, you know, had the oven going. You remember those old broilers that slid out of the bottom and, and, and the door fell open? You know, you put stuff in there and you cook with them and you slide them back in. And, and so... She had the, the broiler going and the oven was heating up and cooking something. And, and he would crawl up in the chair and she'd have to put him down and pull the chair back to the table, you know. And he would drag, he wanted to see what's going on on the stove. You know how little guys are. Crawl up on that, ta- that chair and do this. Well, she put him all back in place and she had turned around in the kitchen. Well, there he was again. Drug it right back up there. And he fell. It got on the chair and it fell. And that chair hit the broiler door. It knocked it open and he slid into the broiler yeah burned his face you know here from his wrist to his elbow and here and the skin is just falling off and he's just crying and wailing and the pain and just screaming and carrying on well I had the only car that we had I was gone in to work and my dad lived next door and so she runs to his place and and says JR you got to take me to the hospital and the hospital is 18 to 20 miles away in another town. 
And so they're in the car loading up to carry him to the hospital. He's crying like crazy, man. He's in such pain. And Kathy, just like the gift of faith, came. She said, "JR, pray with me right now that this pain will stop. It's like the gift of faith just fell on her right then. And she prayed, Lord, and just prayed, God, take the pain away. And instantaneously, instantaneously, the pain was completely gone. He never cried another lick. Yeah. Got to the doctor. And the doctor said, this has got to be the toughest kid. I can't believe he's not crying to carry it on. So they went through this process and we were, going to, we were facing this process, got him bandaged up. So, you know, we're going to have to come back and we're going to have to start removing that skin. It's going to scab and bleed. And it's just going to be a whole process of that healing up, that burn and everything, you know, and so bandaged him up. And he got home that night and I got home from work and Kathy and I are sitting there and we said, listen, if God can heal the pain, he can heal the burn. And so we prayed for his healing. And so I took him back to the doctor. They're going to start that removing skin process and that whole, you know, the doctor wasn't there that day. Some emergency came up. I took him home and I thought, well, I'm going to, I took the bandage off. I thought, man, I am not, all that skin, that burnt skin was all cooked on his arm. I said, I'm not, I dig my arm like this, hand like this and rubbed it like that. And it was all pink, perfect skin healed underneath. Face, arm. Now, where does that come into play? (laughs) If God could heal my son then, he could heal something now. I've got to get it in my heart. I've got to get it in my mind. Are Are you creative imagination in the things of God? That was all God. That's not something we did. That was all God. If God did it then, he'd do it now. Don't give up on God. Because he is well able to do immeasurably above all that we ask or imagine according to the power that's working on the inside of us. You got something going on the inside of us. You need to be believing God. What image is built in your mind? Is it from the world's input or is it God's input? Now listen, I'm going to skip over some here and let's... Oh my word. (laughs) Oh no, I can't skip over that. Okay, because it's got a point there. Okay, I'll be quick. Jeremiah 1 in in verse 8 through 12. Jeremiah, God was blessing Jeremiah. God was doing great things in his life. But there's a a principle here that we see in Jeremiah 1, 8. He said, be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy and throw down, to build and to plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. Now, you go read in different translations, some other references. That was in reference to God and what God was doing and what God was going to do. Now, it shows forth in the next verse. And then said the Lord unto him, thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. Now, let me tell you something. God knew what he was showing Jeremiah. What he was wondering was, does Jeremiah see it? Did Jeremiah see it? And listen, God can't hasten to perform something we can't see. We can't let our imaginations and our hearts be polluted by the challenges, the adversity, the hardships of life in the world. And God be able to do great things in our heart. 
We're going to have to start believing God for what he says and take him at his word. Amen. Mark 16, 20, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. How do you see it? You feed your vision or imagination by the word of God. How can I see the things of God? Go to his word. Go to what he says. I mean, God's word builds the imagination of faith. The imagination of faith. Jeremiah 29, 11, very familiar. For I know the thoughts I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. And then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. Hmm. And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all of your heart. My words. God said, listen, you've got to believe this. You've got to see how I'm thinking about you. You've got to see my purpose for you. What I see for you. What I want for you. I want your kids not to die and not come back. I want your kids to be raised up perfect. I want them to have a a life and a future. Can you see it? When you look in the natural, it don't look so good. But when you look the way God says, oh, glory to God. And he says, listen, you'll call on me and you'll pray to me and I will hearken to to you. Do you know how hard it is for so many people just to envision the very thing that God is listening and God will do something for you? That God will do something for you? That's so hard for even us Christians sometimes to grasp hold of. So you need to be able to envision, hey, you know what? My God's listening to me. You know what? My God loves me. My, My God loves me. He wants to walk with me. He wants to talk with me. He wants to heal my heart. He wants to make something out of me. Are you seeing that tonight? I mean... You're the one that knows. <laughs> you may come in and, and put on a good show, but nobody knows you like you know you. Right? Come on. A mm. couple of more scriptures. We're going to go to Genesis, the sixth chapter. I want to show you the danger of allowing your imagination to be filled with evil. Here I want you to see that God destroyed the world... Because they let their imaginations run with evil thoughts. God saw in Genesis 6, God saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth. You don't stop there. Oh yeah, there's a bunch of sinners. It's run rampant. How did they get there? That every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now, the other thing I see in this is the next part of the verse. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. And it grieved him at his heart. They allowed their imaginations to be filled with evil. I think that when we don't let our imaginations be filled with the way God wants to work in our lives, it grieves his heart. You know, when you, when you can't see how much God loves you, That's not pleasing to God. When when you can't see that God is for you, not against you. 
That's not pleasing to God. When you're running from God and all you can see how much of a bum and a a low life that you are and you'll never be anything else, that's not pleasing to God. You can't allow the enemy and the world and adversity fill your imaginations with all this stuff. Are y'all with me? See, God wants to influence you to be an influence for his kingdom. Well, let's see. Joshua 1. I'll, I'll, I'll close with this. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, and that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. See, God's word builds the imagination of, of faith. Of faith. Now listen, I, I, I just felt like there, especially there's those here tonight that you are going through such a challenge and you're probably the only one that knows it. But you know, uh, there's times in, in you're struggling in your heart and you're thinking, God, am I ever going to get free of this? Am, am, I, am I ever going to get loose of this? Well, Paul wrestled the same well, the same way, I mean. He, he wrestled the same. He said, listen, the things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. The things I want to do, I'm not doing. Who will deliver me from the body of this death? Who will deliver me from the... See, to him, that was a type of death. When your imagination is continually filled with the challenges and the failures. Right? And listen, that didn't stop God from loving Paul. That didn't stop God from showing Paul the way. I mean, there's a guy that helped them with stoning of Stephen, murdering Stephen. And it wasn't long after that that he met Jesus, you know. I don't know what all that is. I don't know what you're struggling with. But I'm telling you, don't give up on the word. Spend time in the Word. Even when you flounder, you goof goof up, you fall and you blutter your nose, get back up. Press into God even more. Press into God even more. Build your imagination of of what God is saying to you, what God has put in you, who you are in God, who you are on the inside, what God wants to do in your life. There'll come a time you'll break over and you'll succeed in that. Are you with me? I mean, there's a power working on the inside of you. And God is able to do above and beyond all that you could ask or think according to what's already on the inside of you. You just got to begin to imagine and see what God wants to do. Well, he who influences the thoughts of his times influences the times that follow. He who influences the thoughts of his times influences the times that follow. God wants us to be influential. He wants to impact tomorrow with us today. Are you with me? Gosh, I just, you, you guys that are raising your children, you've got to build their imaginations in the things of God. You're, you're sending them as a message to a future you will never see. Amen. 
You can be an influence in their life, influencing tomorrow, influencing next. There's my children, my grandchildren are here. They're, they're going to be into a world tomorrow that I will never see. But I can influence their lives today to influence tomorrow, right? Gosh, I don't want to quit, but let's quit. Let's quit. I, uh, I, I feel like Pastor Lee. I'm done. <laughs> the Lord is good. Wow. I didn't even look at the clock. Oh, man, don't look at the clock. Don't look at that. Uh, the Lord wants to influence North Texas through Victory Life. The Lord wants to influence these communities, and He wants to use you to do it. Amen? Amen. But to change the world, you've got to start with changing your world. Say, so God, what is it you would do inside of me? What, what is it you would have for me today? Because if he can change you, he can change your world. Right? Amen. Well, let's pray and then I'll turn it over. Father, we love you and we bless you. And I, Lord, I want to thank you for your grace and mercy that is abounding toward us even now. Lord, I want to thank you that, that you want us to, <laughs> you want us to walk in the whole package. Not just getting our ticket to heaven but to be filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered to be witnesses in our world, in our homes, our families, in our community, in our church. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would have your way with us. I realize that so many of us don't even know what body part we are. But I pray that that can change. As our desire for you, Lord, is pressing into you, Father, that we can have ears to hear and, and listen to your voice in our life to tune our ear to the holy spirit lord i'm saying lord influence our heart influence our lives so that we can be an influence of those around us and we have the capacity on the inside by the holy spirit and by love to influence other people into action so father show us the way holy spirit take us by the hand guide us and teach us so that when we look back at the end of this year, Father, that we can look back and we won't be the same person as we were at the first of the year. So, Lord, bless us to be a blessing and all that we lay our hand to to prosper. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Amen.